Welcome to the show, our friends. Welcome to Staying in Trouble. Uh, man, what a year we've had. We have had a year that we will always remember, no doubt. From pandemic to elections, uh, maybe you've gone through your own personal struggles this year, family loss, whatever it may be. This is a year that I think all of us will agree that we are grateful that it's coming to a close. And like Phil Collins, I can feel it coming. I can feel 2021's coming, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I have high hopes for the new year. But as we close this new year, this episode uh, will be our last episode of 2020. So Eric and I are taking the rest of the year off, spending time with our families. Christmas is always a busy time. Uh, So we're spending that time with the ones that we love the most. And we hope that you are doing the same. Uh, We hope that you're having a wonderful Christmas, a wonderful holiday, uh, and a happy new year. And we will be back in January. So this episode with our certified therapist, Josh Silito, uh, we hope you enjoy this episode with him. And we look forward to having you back in 2021 and being able to we got a lot of guests that we're working on. We got a lot of new, uh, new things for the show, so we're going to continue to grow. But we want to give a huge thought out, shout out to all of you listeners who have subscribed to the channel, who have left comments, who give us a rating, who do all of these things. These are huge things that you can support the show. So we are grateful for that. You can go to our YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. We're posting a lot more videos on YouTube because a lot more of our interviews are done by uh, Zoom. So it's a lot easier to post those on there and you'll be able to watch the whole Zoom session of these different interviews. With this pandemic ramping up this at the end of this year, a lot of people did not want to come into the studio, which I don't blame them. And of course, it's always easier when we're interviewing someone from out of state. So go to our YouTube, check that out. We hope you enjoyed this last episode of 2020. We will see you in 2021, and we hope you have a Merry Christmas. We are grateful for all of you, and we look forward to seeing you then. So please enjoy this episode. Oh, I get my suit and tie on. Yeah, <laughs> you look there like you were. You look like you were out at the golf course, man. Uh, kind of wish it was gorgeous out today. That's for sure. But it was a nice day. Unfortunately, I just had to play pickleball all day today. Oh man, what all a day today. So you were warmed up. Look at that. And you were complaining about me warming up early. Because I got there 10 minutes late. How late were you, Eric? I was obviously not as early as you. That's for sure. Wow. No, I, I wish I could have been playing pickleball day to day. But uh, nope, some of us have a real job, Josh. Some of us have to work for a living. Not like Man. you and Adam. Yeah, I just, I just go play pickleball all the time. I know. I, just, I, know. I know. You don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> you don't have to take that, Josh. You don't have to take that. <laughs> Hey, we're going to be partners in about three hours, so, you know, or two hours, so don't worry about it, Adam. All right. 
Let's back Josh up some back. dubs. All nice. right. Well, uh, I'm grateful you're back on, Josh. We have Josh Silito back on the podcast, our official podcast certified therapist, uh, know-it-all about emotions and our heads, <laughs> and he can examine all of us and try to figure out what the heck is wrong with Eric and I. I'm, I, I'm sure this has been uh, – you've just been brainstorming hardcore on, man, how can I help these two? <laughs> I've been working. I've been working on it. Eric was throwing some punches. I didn't know if you watched the Tyson Roy Jones fight or something like that. As a matter of fact, I did. And then I've read the comments today, uh, or I think it was yesterday that uh, Holyfield was like, let's go. Let's go, Mike. Everybody wants our fight. Let's go. And you know what? Everybody is. Yeah. Evander preach it brother, because that's what we want. There's, yep. we literally would pay more to see Holyfield fight Tyson than pretty much any other fighter right now. I, I don't know. I kind of want to see that Logan kid fight Conor McGregor. He called him. Oh, out. please. <laughs> I'll That's, pay for it. I want to, I would it. not pay for it because I'm not going to pay to see. Uh, it's Jake Paul, by the way. Jake Paul oh. get knocked. Oh, out. it's his, it's his brother. It's Logan. His brother is young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. But it was Jake Paul that threw it out. The thing is, is, is uh, Connor and Jake Paul are going to do different weight classes, so it would be interesting. And I wonder if that's what Paul is thinking: is that he could catch Connor just like Nate Diaz did in a catch weight. And since they're all exhibitions, it's it doesn't weight class doesn't make a difference because that's yeah, the thing good is. Point. You know, if Adam and I get into a ring with someone, let's just say, for example, you know, someone, let's just call those people under 200, you know, <laughs> you know, everyone else with, in America, you know, maybe with nice hair, you know, beautiful teeth, you know, with a collared shirt and tie on, um, you know, they may be fast, but if you get a shot from like Adam right now to the ribs, it's probably going to crack something. You don't want to get within, within, uh, within uh, rib crack range. So, well, good thing I'm, I'm not a boxer. So, <laughs> I Josh take is a lover, not a, not a, not a boxer. I, I take bets on if Evander is going to lose another ear or not. I totally, I, uh, Mike seems pretty in tune. He seems pretty <laughs> uh, well grounded right now. So they were uh, kind of lovey dovey at the end of it. You know, they, they were talking, you know, Roy Jones and they were complimenting each other. They so were. It's a huge team. I like Mike's like, I don't know why. I, I don't know why they, they had me as a, you know, as a favorite, you know, Jones, you just got done doing this three years ago, <laughs> three years ago. I haven't done this for 15 years. You know, uh, I think we're going to end up just talking about boxing for for our session today. to talk about mike tyson like he <laughs> is you know he's the jewel of america you know 51 years old jewel of america i like that i like that i like mike tyson i think he's great exactly <laughs> bipartisan support right there yeah so i would i'll watch more of his fights if he puts these on i it's funny that these kind of fights are more entertaining than the high dollar high training big time fights Oh, I don't know. Uh, Mike looked pretty, he looked pretty fit. Oh, well, yeah, but it, it's all in good nature. It's good fun. It's, it, it was a good time. You know, I think I we need, know. I think I we know. need to do more I think Roy celebrity Jones fights. Juniors took some, uh, 
took some shots. I think his ribs are pretty bruised this morning. Yeah, uh, maybe. So speaking of Mike Tyson for a moment, he's gone through a whole bunch of things in his life. You know, someone can kind of look at his biography and tell what he's been through. And he's had it all, right? He's had the, the money, the fame, the, the lifestyle. He's gone through all that. And some of the comments that he said, some of the interviews that he's had is that when he lost all the money and there was no one else to like take something from him again, that was the moment when he felt most free was when he, he lost it all, at least from what he was saying, what, how, how he's described it. And so I find it interesting that in Mike Tyson's search for purpose, he kind of went through all these different avenues to kind of feel that, fill up that part of him that was missing. And he didn't find it that way. You know, and he talks more about his family. He, you notice that there are some changes that he's made, like um, that he's trying to be more service oriented and not saying that he probably didn't, I mean, he probably did a lot of that for the money, but there's other reasons too of why he would get back into the ring and everything. So it's just interesting to see how people are really searching for purpose, um, especially here in the pandemic. That's something that's come up in counseling sessions. A little side note, since we want to talk about Mike Tyson. Um, so I got to work with his little brother. Speaking of little brothers, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, is Mike Tyson has a little brother. Looks just like him. And that, like, working with his brother, you realize, like, you don't see it in video. And I think it's because he's amongst us. I've been watching a lot of his fights, actually, lately. And, and uh Francis uh, Botha and I mean Botha just kind of just just like engulfs Mike but one of the things I, I notice or you when you're around someone like Tyson is his arms Josh like his bicep <laughs> is like the size of your head like his <laughs> arms were huge yeah. it, and even and this was when I was younger working out a lot more and I'm like wow I was just just astonished at like Dude, so that's what it takes to be a professional fighter is those arms. So when that's one thing you, everyone says, oh, so-and-so hits hard. Well, they hit hard because, I mean, they've got like robotic strength arms, just boom. And uh, but I do agree with you back to the, the topic at hand was uh, a lot of people, you know, don't find that. I think what you're talking about is fulfillment in in fortune and fame they find it in purpose and you know it can mean different things um uh have you watched uh undercover billionaire since we're talking celebrities tonight i have not no adam have you i i've seen that show before but i i find it to be a little frustrating to watch undercover billionaire yeah with gary stearns no it, it, isn't this the one where the business owner dresses up and starts flipping hamburgers like the common folks and then he corrects them see, on how they're doing it you see the finger yeah i, I see it i wasn't done talking oh. <laughs> no undercover billionaire is uh they're and they're having more they're like mini they're like mini series they usually have eight episodes and they take either multi-millionaires or billionaires 
and they give them a hundred dollars and an old pickup and they take them to a town that they're not familiar with. And so uh, Gary Stearns, they dropped them off in Erie, Pennsylvania, population 79,000 in the winter. And here's a hundred bucks, boom. And they need to try to grow uh, or make a million dollars in 90 days. He comes really close. And part of that though, is I've been thinking about that mentality. So obviously he's on his own and there's nights when he's sleeping in the truck, not to kill it for some of our listeners or obviously Adam who missed it. Probably not going to watch it. It, I I, I missed that one too. but. But the, the grit, it talks about, so to me, it, it, and he, this, the show starts off and he, he built one of the largest mortgage conglomerates in the United States, which I'm familiar with because of being in real estate. And he's like, here's my yacht. First of all, anyone who has a legit yacht and a private jet that they're not renting, they've got too much they've got more money right and he goes and says you know what for 90 days i'm going to become this other guy and it records him sleeping in his truck because he can't afford anything and he has to go out and build little businesses to get to an to eventually get a, a business that's worth more and i thought about that a lot like why first of all why would someone do that and it teases some of the other, uh, you know, participants coming up that they're like, this is the hardest thing to go from poshness, to go from, you know, from having everything that you can pretty much have at will to, you know, you literally have a hundred dollars and you're scrimping, you're saving, you're back on the ramen diet and you're trying to build something so fast. But I've, I've thought about that mentality to even do the show. You're like, hey, I'm going to go on the show and I may fail for people that haven't failed in a long time. Mm-hmm. It is even it's huge. Yeah. And so, you know, I think for a part of that is is purpose. Like when you can have any when you can have anything, you can go anywhere. You know, I'm sure you are constantly trying to find purpose. And same thing with Mike, you know, over the last probably two or three years, he does a lot of speaking engagements mm-hmm. and, and he doesn't do speaking engagements for the money that I know of, because when he is in a, in a forum, he's so legit. He's so genuine. Yeah. He's like, this is what I did. This is what I lost. Just like what you're talking about, Josh. And he's like, this is what life is all about this. And you can hear it in his voice. You can see it in his mannerisms. And, and I think too, like, you know, people are always trying to search for what, where's my cog in the world, you know? So I agree. No, I I agree with both of you guys. And one of the part of the thing that I was thinking of is yes, it is part of the pandemic, but at the same time, I also think it's age. When Tyson became popular, he was so young, he had nothing. And then overnight he becomes this millionaire the fame, all of this, the women, the, the, the whole kit and caboodle with no training, 
with nothing and and all he he was he was adolescent i think a lot of this uh how we handle the pandemic how we handle ourselves also comes with the level of maturity and with age we we realize what's a little bit more important in life and we value things a little bit different than what you do when you're a young 20 year old something or a teenager you know what i valued as a teenager is way different than what i value now and how i look at success and how i measure success is a lot different uh now so i i think the ones that are coming out of on top in this pandemic uh are are probably going to be some that have a little bit more of a maturity in their life doesn't mean that they're older they're just a little bit more mature yeah, I would, I would agree with both of you. Um, I, I believe that's the case is uh, being able to see hope in the future and appreciate the present and to learn from the past. And so so being able to hold all those things simultaneously is, is really important because sometimes we get so tunneled visioned on what the crisis is or what fire is burning right now in our lives that it's hard to hold on to the hope that there is something better and to, and to recognize the things that we do have that we can be grateful for right now. Um, I would say that gratitude isn't like, you don't have to have things to be grateful. I think gratitude is more of like a way of being. It, it's more of, a, you, you can have the acts of gratitude, but gratitude is a virtue or something that you, a characteristic that you can have be a part of your personality and part of who you are. And so those that are able to recognize the silver lining, I think are probably faring better during the pandemic. Um, but that doesn't mean that people aren't going through severe crises right now. Um, there's people that I talk to that have really been affected by this in all aspects of their life. So, uh, I've been thinking about how to bring this up and talk to you about this, Josh, today. And I'm so grateful we're on this, this topic. So Sunday night, uh, uh, a work colleague passed away from COVID. He was younger than me. He had uh, four sons, a young wife. They lived in Alamo. He was uh, one of our labor foremen at work. Uh, our offices were right down the hall from each other see him every day. Uh, one fourth of July, we, I took my family out. He, he was a Hawaiian. Well, he was Samoan. So being Polynesian, he was a, a big fellow, but he, boy, he can barbecue like no one's business. <laughs> and we, we went out there on fourth of July and had a great time in Alamo and he cooked up a spread that, man, I still get shivers over when I think about it. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, um, he, he came down with COVID uh, the typical symptoms, but it got worse. His coughing got so bad. He was hospitalized. The way I understand it is it ruptured or ripped part of his lung and it just went, it just got worse from there. So finding out Sunday night, this whole week at work has been really crazy and how work has been handling the outbreak of, of COVID at work and how they're keeping guys at home and bringing some back and how they're, well, how they're paying them and stuff like that. And, and then 
I've realized that we're dealing with two different animals here. We're dealing with the actual disease, which is it, the disease. We all know what it is. But there's an emotional side to it that's a, a side effect of this COVID-19 that I don't think a lot of people are, are talking too much about it. So we have this emotional side, and all of my guys at work are, are experiencing fear. They're experiencing sadness and sorrow. They're experiencing a little anxiety. And all of a sudden, things are really real because they're walking by an empty desk this whole week of a guy that's not there and pictures online of this young children and his wife that's extremely sad right now and the horrible things that they're going through. And so we have this emotional side effect that I don't think a, a, too many people are talking about right now. And, and it, it becomes, uh, it becomes more of a wild roller coaster that this is the first time I'm experiencing this. Cause you know, I had a safety meeting with all my guys Monday and I just wanted to talk about it. And it was, it was nice to just open up and let guys kind of vent their frustrations and vent how they're feeling, what's going on. This is my first time ever for me in the management position to deal with a loss of someone that's, you can almost, you can almost say a workplace, a, a death that happened way too soon, you know, and uh, we've had people pass away after retirement at work, but nothing mm -hmm. like this, you know, and uh, it, it's been kind of a wild ride. Even the on-site, the, the base chaplain has come by and wanted to visit with all of us and make sure everyone was all right and stuff like that. And he was a really nice guy and he was very helpful, but it, it, it's just dealing with both of these kind of emotions it's been kind of a wild ride and for her to see like what you were talking about beyond what's going on right now i can't imagine what she as as a as a widow now is is going through and how fast this has probably happened and and then trying to now four she has four boys a couple of them are teenagers the older ones are and i can't imagine what's going through their heads you know so I, I, I guess I, I didn't know if I really had a question in it all, but, but in, in your line of work, Josh, are you seeing a lot of the repercussion of the emotional side of this uh, more than even the actual symptoms of the COVID-19? Um, yeah, yes, I would say so. And I just want to say that I'm, you know, I'm sorry to hear that, especially with you being, kind of in that management position and, and knowing this family and loving this family and maybe even feeling like a sense of, of ownership of, of how, how can I help everyone around me? Um, I mean, that's just a, that's a hard, that's a hard situation. And I think the first step is just kind of normalizing it of realizing it's okay for us to not be okay. Like it's okay for us to shed tears if we need to. It's okay for us to grieve. It's okay for us to feel sad. Um, I think too often we have picked up usually in our childhood um, that, that emotions like sadness are correlated with weakness or there are certain emotions that aren't allowed to be expressed or to be felt. 
And so when that's the case, usually it flips into anger or um, just denial, um, just straight up, you know, suppressing our emotions. So I would say with anyone, I think validating that experience and just saying, hey, it's okay for us to feel grief. And it's okay for us to maybe have a bad day and, and, and allowing ourselves to feel whatever we need to feel in the moment and seek comfort and seek help. I think that's wonderful that all of you were able to talk and just discuss whatever you guys were feeling, whatever you were thinking. And, and so for you, Adam, how, how have you been dealing with it? Like, how have you been processing through this experience? Uh, I don't think it's, it, it's totally hit me yet. If that makes any sense. It almost feels like, like he, even when I was telling the story, it almost didn't feel real. I, I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but it, it, and that's how it feels like it, it's not really real yet. And, 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 and maybe, maybe it'll hit me at a different time. I've just been dealing with it at work as, more of uh just handling the business of it of the, of it not the emotional side of it kind of a thing mm -hmm. but i definitely have been seeing a lot of it and uh it, it it's kind of it has taught me a little bit you know um that night when i found out through text message from uh, a bunch of people from work and things that have happened um i started venting to my wife my all wise and knowing wife and venting to her and kind of venting frustration. Like, well, man, the, man, this, this is wrong. And the, this company never better be uh, liable. And I started venting of, well, they better be doing something about this tomorrow morning. We're going to have a meeting and they better be doing something. And she asked me, she said, well, what do you expect them to do? And I didn't even have an expectation when, when your, your emotion comes down to, you don't even have an expectation. Like, I really don't know what I expect from them, but my, my immediate anger and frustration comes off and I want something done, but I don't even know what that is. Yeah. And that's a frustrating gap to try to fill that in on the two emotions that I'm feeling. I want something done, something for his family, some justice, but I don't even know what that justice is. I don't even know. What did I expect? A, a parade for him or something? Like, I mean, I, I don't even know what I expected when I walked into the office. So why am I getting so frustrated when you don't even have an idea of what you really want? And I think that that goes for a lot of cases in our life is we get so frustrated and then they're like, okay, what do you want? Well, I don't know. You know, like I tell sure, my kids yeah. that all the time. What do you want? I don't know, but they're just mad, you know? And, and that's how I guess I'm feeling right now. Yeah. And thanks for expressing that too. And it, it's okay to be in that, in that spot of conflicting emotions. Um, it's, it's okay for that waterfall to come down and not knowing what the reactions are going to be, what's going to happen. Um, I think some people think that the grief process is like, okay, so you go through this stage and then you go to this stage and you go to this stage. And yes, there's a tendency for 
things to be lined up in a certain way, but for each person, it's different and you'll, you'll, you'll be bouncing back and forth. And so that's why sometimes using the word stage to me may not be as accurate of a way of perceiving it. It's, it's for each person, it's unique. And so being okay with whatever you're feeling, I think is a a very positive first step. Um, Even if it's irrational, even if, you know, to our logic side of, of the mind, we're like, well, what do I want? Well, I don't, I don't even know what I want. Yeah. I just feel, I feel something needs to happen and it's okay for you to feel that way. Um, I, I would say that's, that's a huge first step for anyone that's going through something hard like that. Too often we dismiss and we start becoming critical of ourselves. Like, why, why am I feeling this way? Why, you know, why I shouldn't be feeling this way? Well, something tragic just happened and our brains are trying to comprehend this. So be patient, I guess, is the advice that I would give to someone. Well, I'll definitely pass that on if, if, if you know, if I get into that predicament. I, I, I don't think I've had any weird or anything out of the ordinary from any of my crew that that's showing like out of control sadness, if that's something or, or anything. We're all sad about it, but I guess we're all kind of handling it. But I, I think they feel the same way is that it almost feels like he's just on vacation. Like it, it, it just doesn't, it hasn't hit home. Like probably his, what his family's going through now, you know, and it, it's just, but it, it's wild. It, it, it's just a, a really crazy time. And it's been a really roller coaster of a year when we first had you on the show and we talked about COVID and what we understood about it now to listen to that episode and then listen to us the way we talk about this pandemic now so many months later, that conversation is so different. And so, I don't know. I, I, can, I can definitely tell a difference in, in, in what we thought was going to happen and what has happened. You know? and, and there's casualties, right? There's actual real casualties, um, whether it's people that are dealing with long-term effects of COVID, whether there's people, individuals that, have died because of COVID, whether it's the fear of COVID, whether it's all these different regulations, not having businesses open, like there's a whole combination of things. I I was talking to someone that um, his whole life, you know, he prided himself in having this job and working hard and, and being able to provide for his family. And he's, you know, when he's lost a job in the past, week or two later, boom, he has like two jobs, you know, and he gets back up and, and he's good to go. Eight months later, he doesn't have a job. And, mm-hmm. and so not only is it affecting his family financially, but um, his whole identity, right? Like that was him being a provider for his family was a huge part of his identity And so now he's grappling with a lot more anxiety and depression due to the shame that he feels of not providing for his family. And that's just one small example. Um, I mean, we could go through a lot of examples of how it's been affecting people. Yeah. 
for sure. It, it's it, it's a I don't know. It's just very interesting to me how how much it has changed all of us. And and like you said, there is a kind of a silver lining in it too. Uh, we had a oh man, is that Marcus Sorensen? Yeah. Yeah, we had him on, and one of the things I asked him on the last episode was, like, there are some people out there that is, this has been a great year for them. I mean, like, the way that their particular businesses are, that they their businesses were able to thrive during a, a pandemic, and they were able to reset in a lot of their lives. So to a lot of people, it's been almost like a blessing, but they're also kind of scared to even say it that way because the norm is 2020 sucks. And that's how everyone's talking. And so no one wants to like come out and say, well, I, I've actually done pretty good, you know, because they don't want to sound like that person in a, in a crowd, you know, yeah, but, there, yeah. but there are businesses, there are people that have actually have done pretty good this year. And it's, it, it's, it's been a pretty good year, you know, but I, I guess it's important to recognize all of that. Another question I had for you, Josh is, so during this time, if there are people that are out there that, uh, are going through different feelings or emotions or anxieties that they're not really, really understanding about themselves, but they're also facing these times. We hear a lot on the news about um, a possible another stimulus package and financial help to a lot of these states. Is therapy part of that help? Is there a program in all of that or the government or the state providing for people who may need your assistance or, or some kind of a therapy and they don't have the money to pay for it? Very good question. Uh, I know I only take a few insurances, but I know that um, Teachers Health Trust has waived um, their, their copay, you know, and so if you have Teachers Health Trust, that's free. Um, I believe that there's other insurances also that have kind of, that have also waived the copay. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure about kind of the three or the, the free therapy services, other than there are a few clinics. Um, I think there's one, um, I forgot what it's called, 6161 West Charleston. Um, for whatever reason, I remember the address. Just go to that address and knock on the door. <laughs> that doesn't... <laughs> If you don't send a guy that has anxiety to a random address, you <laughs> but there are, there are services that, that, um, will help you with, yeah. with their, and, and also with medication too. So not only with therapy services, but, um, also if you need psychiatrist, uh, like a psychiatrist, some medication to also help, um, going to that place, wherever that is. You don't have to look it up. Um, well, <laughs> can be very helpful. Okay, it's um, it's run by it's run by the state. So I think um, that's what Eric's doing right now. He's googling so, that. Southern Nevada Adult Mental Health Service. There we go. There Boom. we go. Boom. For, for those at home, I'm surprised that I I got the correct address, but um, but that will also be very very beneficial. Um, Something Josh, that I have a quick question to add to that. So you, we did talk about Mike Tyson. Did you know that he battled depression most of his life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so he said for depression, 
you know, he filled that he said he was a vicious alcoholic and he turned to drugs and, and alcoholism, alcoholism. And, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to Adam's story, you know, is there, is there some things, some mechanisms that uh, you could give like, maybe like, Hey, here's some hope that, Hey, listen, go reach out to us there. I know we're trying to provide them with some, some avenues is here's some things that like that there, I guess being a man and Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, but being a man, like we're not programmed to do emotional therapy. We're not programmed, at least I'm not, and I'm not programmed to, um, so we call it emotional therapy, but you know, Adam and I, we've had different professional athletes on and we talk about their regimen, their schedule, their diets. But when it comes to emotional diets, what are, what are some tips that you can give to some of our listeners, Josh, who are like, cause to be honest with you, some, like I'm looking at Adam going, man, he, he could use some emotional dieting right now. I can use some regular dieting right now. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say is it, and each situation is different because normally I would meet one-on-one -on -one with someone or I meet with a couple. And so I figure out what their normal coping skills are, what their, um, you know, some of their, their positive qualities, some of their skills, the way that they think. So I usually try and tailor it to someone, but if I was to, give general principles. One thing, there's a, there's a concept known as opposite action. So opposite action. So it's like, whatever I'm doing, I need to think of what the opposite of that is. If I'm drinking alcohol to um, run away from my problems, I need to think of something that is opposite of drinking alcohol which is maybe I need to go outside or I need to talk to a friend or I need to do something else. If the opposite of me staying silent and just thinking that my emotional problems are going to go away, then the opposite action of that is I need to reach out. And that's hard for us men particularly um, because usually it is, it is the women that, um, usually get people into couples counseling or individual counseling. And, um, and most therapists are, are women. So us men, I think in particular, if, if our, our natural intention is to not talk about our feelings, that's the exact, you doing the opposite thing is probably the healthiest thing for you to do. Now, how do you, how do you, actually do that? How do you actually make that happen? Well, we all, whenever we are in pain, emotional pain, we try and escape. That's just, that's just very normal. And we have our favorite methods of escaping, whether that's through technology or through pickleball, through, pickleball, through addictions, <laughs> <laughs> we have our favorite ways of escaping and to a certain extent 
it's okay for us to take a breather, to take a break. But if that becomes our only way of coping, then we need to include something else in our toolbox. toolbox. So for this pandemic, what I would say, pull out a sheet of paper, pull out a sheet of paper, a pen, and write down anything and everything that you're stressed about. Okay, this is what I call a brain dump. Okay, and I do this with some of my clients. Boom, they sit down and they just list everything, not judging what they're writing or critiquing what they're writing. Um, it's a judgment-free zone. You just get it out there. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. Then sometimes I, I even have clients draw on, a, on the back side of that paper two circles, one big circle and then a smaller circle in the middle. One, that middle one represents that switch in your direct control. That bigger circle is that's outside of your direct control. And then being able to identify what on that list, which ones are outside of your direct control and which ones are inside your direct control. And once you've separated that, then I do what's called, what's the next simplest step? And this is something that in counseling that I would just take someone through just one step at a time to help them identify what is in my direct control and what is outside of my direct control. And then with what's inside my direct control, what's the next simplest step to make that happen? So if I'm stressed about um, not getting a job or if I'm stressed about this or that, trying to figure out what's outside of your control, the pandemic, the shutdowns, and then what's in your direct control can be very liberating. It doesn't take it away. It doesn't take it away, but it gives you a path forward. So those are a few quick tips um, want to throw out there. Those are really so, good. Yeah, that's fabulous. And I, and I think too, that the, the key point too is, and you know, we talked about earlier about being more mature and, 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 and Adam, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss is, you know, because we're older, I think, you know, we're emotionally more mature, but that doesn't mean we hurt any less. It just, hopefully we we're a little bit more callous and, and we know how to deal with that stuff. And I, that's why I bring it up because I feel like in today's age, we can be more, uh, honest with each other both emotionally and you know and so I really appreciate everything you've given Josh because I know for from my perspective is a lot of times it's it's hard to be vulnerable um, a friend of mine just got married uh, just recently and and I, I didn't really understand what what him and his wife had in common and one of the things that they said is I hope you both, didn't say that at the wedding <laughs> is I've told them many times I'm the one who set them up is uh you know they're like they were both they both go to counseling and they're like uh her last relationship he wasn't very, her last husband wasn't very vulnerable and with his with her new husband they can talk about everything and be super vulnerable and how they feel and I've thought about that as you know, they were dating. It kind of brought about like young love between my wife and I. It brought us like, oh man, this this is what this, you know, new couple's doing. 
we need to be doing that too. But I also thought about even the other stuff, like, you know, for my wife and I, we've been married for almost 20 years. And how can I be a better spouse? Like, how can I be more vulnerable? How can I express what I'm feeling instead of re regressing it? And when you, you know, Adam, when you start talking about, you know, it, you know, Josh said shutdowns, but, you know, as a, as a father and a husband, you know, when you go from not being able to provide for your family, if man can't work, dude, that's, that's a, that's a prison. That's yeah. a, that's an emotional prison. And, you know, and I worry about those guys that are, you know, maybe they don't know if their work's going to even open back up, if that job's even going to be there, you know, next year. And that, that, that's such unshaky ground. And not only for the husband, but for the wife too. Right. And it puts even, and then it trickles down to the kids, you know, because when you're living on unshaky ground, it, it becomes uh, unnerving. So, and, and I also believe that's a, a lot of it's the action of it because at the beginning of the pandemic, um, the company I worked for, they paid us to stay home. So for three months straight, I was still making a paycheck. I was one of the lucky ones and I recognize that, but, um, I, I had to stay home for three months. Now, most people would think that sounds awesome, but I started feeling that because I felt like I, I felt a little worthless in it all. I wasn't doing the action of work. Yeah. I was getting the benefit of it. The, you know, we were still able to make our bills and, and, and I was bringing in money, but I, I wasn't doing anything for it. So I was still feeling that. So it's sometimes it's not just the money you're being provided for. And I, I think this is what Eric was alluding to was it's the action of work. It's participating. It's doing something. It, it, it's, it's actually doing your job. And, and, and that's what makes it, um, so valuable in, in, in someone's life. And someone I've always said is I, I love going to the gym. I love working out, but going to therapy, talking to a professional is working out your mind. It's working out your emotions. And I always, when I see a therapist and I leave their office, I feel so much at peace and understanding. And not only that, I also feel challenged. I feel challenged of, because they always give me something to work on. And they want me to, okay, let's think about this a little bit more. And it opens me up and it, it kind of gets me pondering. Most of the time when I'm driving home from their offices, I don't have the radio on. I don't have any other distraction because my mind is just spinning. And it's I'm thinking about stuff that I was just told or what's going on or what I need to do a little bit better in my life or reevaluate certain issues. And it, it's, it's extremely valuable. And that was the reason why I was asking is I was really hoping if cases, if more anxiety and more depression is coming up from COVID, I really hope that there's an avenue for those people that if, even if they don't have the means to, to seek that help, I really hope that they find that help because that can, that can change their life. It can save their marriage. It can save their sanity. And I think it, it would be really important. And even if it just gives them an opportunity to open up about what's going on, um, that that's huge. Just a safe place to open up. And, and that's something that therapy provides for people. And, and there, um, 
you know, counseling is more than that, but I think that's a huge benefit is having that safe place to be able to share what's going on on the inside. And I mean, you're totally right with, you know, when we're left in our own mind without that work or without that focus, um, yeah, our, usually our mind just starts racing and we start dealing with more, more anxious thoughts. I know I was talking to someone that he was like, yeah, I was, I've been able to manage my anxiety for years. Boom, pandemic hit. And now he's, you know, stuck at home more. And all, now all of a sudden he can't manage it anymore because he's stuck with his own thoughts yeah. more, more often than what he's used to. And Ooh, that um, can be a dark place. Sometimes. That can be, it can spiral, right? It can, yeah. it can really spiral. And so what I would say is if someone, if you are doing fairly well financially or emotionally or spiritually or whatever it may be, now is the time to lift up your brothers and sisters hands that hang down. Like now I I've talked to um, some people in, in my life that have really been affected by this and they are, you know, losing weight, you know, because, because of this. And there's, there's a whole lot of, whole lot of factors. And it's just like, there's so many people that if you can reach out now you can. And that's the whole thing with the pandemic is, it makes it harder. We have to be more creative with reaching out. <laughs> we can't just, it makes it more difficult, but it's very possible, very possible to reach out to those people who need it. And if you're in a position where, where you can do it, doesn't mean it have to have, you don't have to be in a pretty position where everything's taken care of, but if you have enough energy and effort and, um, even small financial means opportunities are out there right now. And that could help out big time that, that wonderful feeling of service, helping someone else out. Even, even if you pick up the bill or something like that, if you're, if you have the means to do so, you know, I, I bet that will, that will help out tremendously. Thanks Adam. My birthday is on Sunday. So you've got a couple days to make And How many birthdays do you have in a year? (laughs) I feel like almost every time we come on here, no. yeah. <laughs> you're like the mad hatter. What is that? The unbirthday? Yeah, that's true. We celebrate that as well. Yeah, I bet. That out. <laughs> but there, oh. there, there's opportunities there. There's opportunities. And I think now more than ever, people are looking for um, certainty. They're looking for friendship. They're looking for some avenue that gives them even a piece of hope because i think hope is diminishing and for those that do have hope in their life see how you can be a friend and being a friend is providing hope absolutely but going back to like a a a man a guy should never be ashamed to be able to open up and and i think that's something that that in the past men have always been more of a closed type of a thing. I, I, I got a little story to tell you that I found out I was visiting with my dad and my dad has been really big into genealogy. So he's been always looking it up and he's been doing that for quite a few years now after his retirement. And he found out a little while ago that his dad had a wife 
and a child that she passed away during childbirth and he lost both of them before he married his mom and no one knew. And he found, he found out through County records, marriage records, even a death certificate. And he put all the pieces together, but the way my grandfather was, and I didn't know him very well because he passed away when I was about two years old. But with the, the stories that my dad tells me was how, how hard of a man that this guy was. And, uh, he, he didn't open up and stuff like that. And I always think about that story of like why he didn't want to share that. He kind of, it was a horrible experience. I could just imagine what he went through, but then he just stuffed that down deep inside and went on with his life and he remarried and he had children and he had a profession and he, a profession he retired from, and he went on with his life. But I, I wonder what kind of things he held on to that, like, that could have been so freeing for him to be able to express that and to get that off of his chest. And there's no reason. And I, and I think about that when I think about, cause th there are those, uh, I like to call them manly moments that I come in and it's like, Oh, I don't need any help. I'm totally fine. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. and, and you yeah. kind of muscle through life and I'm a man, but then every once in a while you got to kick yourself. It's like, wait a minute, let's, let's think about this for a second. What's best for me? What's best for my emotions? What's best for my marriage and my children? So I, I always revert back to that story that my dad told me. That's like, I don't want to be like my grandfather. I don't know what he was holding on to or things that he had to suffer through his life, but I don't want to hold on to that. I don't want to carry that with me. I mean, that's a powerful example. So powerful. And I'm glad you shared that because, um, yeah, this is true. Like, I think the mentality is like, just keep working harder, right? Just work harder, keep pushing and keep moving on. But if you keep hitting a brick wall at some point or another, like you got, you got to ask someone for help to say, why do I keep hitting this wall? Yeah. And, and the, the wall's not going away. And, um, a few phrases that I think can, can help, you know, and, and this isn't directed kind of at, at your grandpa at all. Cause we, we don't know your grandpa, but you said that he, his personality you heard was kind of hard, you know, maybe a little yeah. rough around the edges. And I would say, um, hurt people, hurt people. Even if it's unintentional, usually hurt people, hurt people, and they don't even realize it. And, and so we're only as sick as our secrets. And what I mean by that is not that we are sick. It means that, that when we know that we need help, but yet we keep putting us aside because we think that's weak to admit that we need help, then that's, that's when we're sick. That's when we hurt ourselves and we hurt others. I was talking to a, a, a young client, um, you know, he was, um, you know, later teen years and um, he was talking about how he actually expressed his feelings to his dad for like the first time you know, that he can really remember, he was totally honest and he actually confronted his dad about something. And he said, it felt amazing. And then he was like, I got slammed with this huge guilt. 
And so we kind of explored that. So you felt so free in saying and actually expressing how you felt and what you've been trying to tell your dad for your whole life. You felt free in that moment. And then you feel this huge guilt that you can't get rid of for days and even a week. He just, he, that's all he felt really. We explored it even more. And he's like, yeah, I was always taught growing up to, to that it was weakness to share your feelings. And so anytime that he shared his feelings, he immediately was kind of programmed, trained, socialized that feelings are bad and expressing feelings are bad. So therefore that guilt started showing up and we kind of went through it. And it's like, just because you feel guilt doesn't mean that that is wrong. That actually might be an indication that what you're doing is right. Hmm. Your brain is just has gotten so used to feeling guilty for something that is so good. And I asked him, what is more courageous? Holding it in and never telling your dad or actually expressing how you feel honestly, directly, not out of rage or anger, but out of truth. Which one takes more courage? Yeah. He said, expressing how I feel. It's like, well, then which one's the weakness? Which, which one is expressing or showing weakness? Is it hiding or is it confronting and being honest and facing your feelings and expressing them? And so we figured out together, we learned together that actually the opposite, it's the very opposite of weakness. It's strength. It's, it's, that's the way that we're going to actually see change is when we have the courage to reach out and say, Hey, I can't do it on my own. I need help. Yeah. I really like what you said. Hurt people hurt people. And, and, and maybe that's where all of our mentality as a man came from. Maybe our forefathers way back then were so hurtful that they, <laughs> they just wanted to pass it along and say, Hey, we don't share our feelings, we keep it up inside or we, we bottle it up and we just muscle through it. Like, like a tough guy should let's, know? let's break the cycle. Let's break sure. the cycle. Yeah. That's good well, stuff. Josh, I would, I, I think we're, we've gone long on this episode, but I, I think next time, I, I don't know if a lot of people are bringing this up right now, but uh, a term that I'm hearing a lot emotionally is gaslighting or manipulation. And I would think I'd like it on the next episode. Maybe if we, maybe if you could dive into that a little bit, because I think that like with us being home a lot, we're, we're interacting with, with some people a thousand percent more than we are like others. And I think like, so we're spreading our days that used to be like, Hey, we go to work, we'd have, you know, exposure to this group. We go to these activities, we go to these events, you'd be exposed to these people to where in society right now, we're being exposed to this much all the time, like 99, like 97, 95%. <laughs> and so I hear a lot of this term being passed around and, you know, uh, I don't understand it a hundred percent, but I think it would be great to understand from your perspective the 
like is this just a phenomenon with with how much we're just with the people that were around now we're around them all the time and so it's kind of like uh you know nobody wants to play a game of risk anymore right nobody wants to play a game of um what's the game that's even longer than risk josh that goes like a week <laughs> there's there's a few of them um yeah there's pickleball no pickleball we already talked about is is more of a is more about salvation but i i've been getting into terraforming mars if you guys have heard of that one i have heard I'm of that fan. one i'm a fan and so and that's what i'm saying is like and i'm wondering if that's because you know everyone's feeling so fatigued emotionally and it's because and so part of that fatigue leads to more manipulation. It leads to more bickering sometimes. And so I think on the next episode, Josh, if we could just dive into that a little bit and, and maybe give us, you know, maybe five tips for like, Hey, recognize the boat that you're in. And if it, if, if the boat's a little rocky right now, if the waves are too rough, here's some ways to, is uh if you jump out of the boat in the middle of the ocean you're you're not going to survive either and so uh maybe there's some ways that we can get some sea legs so well a little food for thought that the the history nerd is going to come out gas lamping came from an old alfred hitchcock movie where the lady there was a lady in a uh, i don't know the whole story but the guy manipulated the lady by keep turning the gas off of the lamp the old style gas lamp and she kept saying well you got to put more gas in it the light's not very bright in my room he was like no you're going crazy there's plenty of gas in the lamp and that's where all the and and that's where that's where the term came came from from. yeah yeah i believe it's an old hitchcock movie old black and white movie but it could be something else but that's where it comes from is the man manipulated the woman by saying you you're the one that thinks there's not enough light in here, but he kept turning the gas down on the lamp. So, but no, that, that's, that can be a whole conversation right there. And that would be yeah. very interesting. Oh, yeah. So that would be a good, uh, good topic to talk about. Very good. I'm, I'm grateful to be on here once again, you guys. I Josh, appreciate it. we appreciate Josh. you coming on. This is awesome. Yeah. I enjoyed it as, as always. And I feel like we covered quite a bit. So and I think our listeners appreciate it. Uh, I know Eric and I appreciate it. We definitely don't want to go too long. Or you're going to start charging us. So. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, send the invoice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, easy. Send it to Eric's house. <laughs> you know what? Send it to him for his birthday. How's that? <laughs> Happy burn, birthday, Eric. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, burn that in your gas lamp. Anyways. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we appreciate everyone listening to the show uh, or even watching us on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate our listeners. Please leave a comment. That helps the show out big time. Uh, matter of fact, Eric sent me an article on le- people who leave comments. We get on different algorithms. So by just leaving a small comment on iTunes or however you listen to the show, helps this show out so much. So please, our Christmas wish leave a comment. So thanks for, thanks Josh again for joining us. And uh, Eric, you got anything else? I just, you know, for me personally, Josh, like you coming on is, you know, 
like when you first came on, I had a lot of listeners reach out to me that I knew and they're like, man, I I'm so in tune with Josh and, and he brings so much perspective. And so I think for even for our show, like, I feel like we can add, we adds more value to our listeners. So I just want to thank you again, Josh, and wish you the best for these holidays. And, and cause part of that is like, uh, you know, I hope that more people will reach out to you. I hope our, if our listeners know someone that needs help, that they'll send them your way because that, you know, they know a little bit about you. They know a little bit about what the service you provide is because, it, you know, it's been a value for me. And I, I think it's, you know, I always want to provide value in a relationship and having this podcast as a platform is I want to provide value for our listeners and so, and, and likewise, I, I want, want those listeners to know that they can find value in your services. And so I, I thank you again, Josh, for taking the time to come in and, and, and help others. And, and we always talk about like putting stuff out in the universe. And I think by you, you know, putting out some of those, uh, you know, I, I kind of look at you, you're trying to put a hand out there to let people know that there's there's, there's some hands up, you know, Hey, you know, they're not out, you know, trying to doggy paddle by themselves and stay afloat sometimes that, uh, you know, uh, there's some real professional help that can help, you know, teach them to swim better or, or maybe, you know, get them out of the storm for a while. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. Thank you guys. And we will see you on the next one. See you later.